You ain't heard nothing yet. Get around, little bitch. What am I going to do? Frankly, my dear, I'm going to make him an offer. You talking to me? Are you not entertained? I don't know who you are. Why so simple? When I'm good, I'm very good. Simple. But when I'm bad, I'm better. He's the lion! Hello, and welcome back to the Tinsel Factory. My name is Caitlin, and I'm your host. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Mine is currently sitting in my chair, not making a single sound. I'm back from my whirlwind trip to NorCal, but the socially distant party isn't over here. If you're listening to this on the day this episode comes out, she is currently being driven around Los Angeles by yours truly for her yearly murders and ghost tour of Southern California. This week, for two-sentence movie reviews for movies I saw in a movie theater, Separation. Separation is another movie that would not be in theaters if COVID hadn't been a thing, but it was, is, so here we are. It tries to be about four different movies at once and fails at each and every one. And the visual effects were awful, which makes me wonder if this was supposed to be a VOD release originally, but the studio thought, hey, what the hell, we've got openings in our release schedule. Anyway... Today we begin our histories of some of the biggest modern animation studios in the world. This week, the history of Studio Ghibli, its three founders, and the revolutionary animation studio they created. With that, let's take our places. It's showtime. The first founder of Studio Ghibli that we're going to talk about is Asayo Takahata, who was born on October 29, 1935. Takahata studied French literature in college and while studying discovered a French animation film called The King and the Mockingbird. I tried to say the French title and that didn't go well and was inspired to pursue animation as a career. After graduation, Takahata got a job at Toyei Animation as an assistant director where he was mentored by animator Yasuo Atsuka, whom would eventually ask Takahata to helm an animated film of his own. Takahata would make his directorial debut with The Great Adventure of Horus, Prince of the Sun, in 1968. His key animator for the film was a recent college grad by the name of Hayao Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki was born during the early years of World War II on January 5, 1941. His father was the director of an airplane manufacturing company that made rudders for fighter planes. This provided the young Miyazaki and his family a very comfortable lifestyle until his family was forced to evacuate after the bombing of Atutsunomiya in July 1945. The trauma of this event on the four-year-old would have a lasting impression on his art and moral compass. 
Miyazaki fell in love with animation after seeing Panda and the Magic Serpent from 1958. He went to school to major in political science and economics before landing at Toyei Animation, where he would work with his future business partner. Prince of the Sun ended up being a big flop for Toyei and led to Takahata getting demoted as a result. Without any prospects at Toyei, Miyazaki and Takahata were part of a pretty big exodus from the company in 1971. Their paths would cross a few times over the next decade professionally as each moved up in the animation industry independently. Meanwhile, a young reporter by the name of Toshio Suzuki was helping start an animation magazine called Animage in 1978. Suzuki wasn't as big an animation fan as his future partners were and had to learn on the job. Suzuki's first assignment at Animage was to choose a classic animation film and write an article on it. He chose Prince of the Sun and contacted both Takahata and Miyazaki for the article. The duo, however, had absolutely zero interest in talking about their experience on the film. A year later, Suzuki tried to get a hold of Miyazaki again to talk about his directorial debut, The Castle of Cagliostro. Miyazaki was hesitant at first, though slowly warmed to Suzuki. So much so that one day, Miyazaki told him about a film he'd been wanting to make. When Suzuki heard the full pitch, he knew that the film had to be made. The film was Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is about a princess in a post-apocalyptic world fighting to restore harmony between humanity and nature while saving them both from an incoming invasion. At the time, it was impossible to get an animated film financed in Japan unless there was a tie-in, like a manga, which would make the film easier to promote. Miyazaki set to work making the Nausicaa comic, which he would continue making in his free time for 10 years after the film version was ultimately made. The first issue released in Animage in February 1982. Nausicaa was an instantaneous hit, and a year later they had the funding to make the film version. Takahata joined the team as an executive producer. The movie was ultimately released on March 11, 1984, and was an immediate hit financially and critically in Japan. A heavily edited English version was released a year later and tanked. Miyazaki was pissed over what they'd done to his film and enforced a no-edit policy for international releases going forward. An unedited English dub was not made available in the U.S. until 2005. On the wave of the success of the film, the trio of Miyazaki, Takahata, and Suzuki got together and created their own studio. Based on his lifelong love of airplanes, Miyazaki remembered the name of an Italian World War II era plane that had the word Ghibli in it. The word means a hot desert wind blowing in North Africa. Miyazaki chose the name because the trio were about to blow a new wind through the animation industry. Studio Ghibli was born on June 15th, 1985. 
1995. The first official Studio Ghibli film was Lapida, Castle in the Sky, which was released in 1986. Like Nausicaa, the film was a massive critical and financial smash. Continuing to ride high, Studio Ghibli released the film that would give the studio the closest thing it has to a Mickey Mouse type figure. If you're familiar at all with Studio Ghibli, you probably know I'm talking about Totoro from My Neighbor Totoro, which released in 1988. Directed by Miyazaki, the film is the story of two sisters and their interactions with wood spirits in the forests surrounding their new home in post-World War II era Japan. There, they meet Totoro. Some of the film is autobiographical as the two daughters and their father move into a house to be near their ailing mother. As a child, Miyazaki's mother was interned in a hospital for several years, starting in 1947, after she was diagnosed with spinal tuberculosis. From a modern standpoint, it's hard to believe that Totoro was not a smashing success the prior Studio Ghibli films had been, and actually took several years to break even financially, and that was mostly due to the merchandising of Totoro plushies, not the box office. Totoro as a figure became an Easter egg in future Studio Ghibli films and has an asteroid and a worm named after him. The film is a mainstay on top films lists, and not just for the animated ones. He is also the mascot for the studio, that gave him the breath of life. The film actually almost didn't get made as the backers of the studio didn't like the initial pitch. Suzuki ended up pitching Totoro as a double feature to play with another film, Grave of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies is a very different film than Totoro, and it's kind of hard to imagine these two playing together on a double bill because they are starkly different in tone. Fireflies was directed by Takahata and is about two siblings and their desperate struggle to survive during the final months of World War II. The film is based on a book of the same name, which was semi-autobiographical by Akiyuki Nosaka. In fact, Nosaka's backing of the film is the only reason the studio's money people agreed to finance it. Having two films in production at the same time split the studio literally in two. Having both films in production while working on the marketing campaign was utter chaos, so much so that many of the animators on the films can't remember which of the two they worked on at the time. Takahata experimented quite a bit with this film, including outlining characters with brown instead of black to give the film a softer look, something that had never been done in anime before. While innovative and haunting, and Grave often too appears on many lists as one of the best animated and war films of all time, the film was a bigger financial flop than Totoro had been. Grave was blamed for the failure of the double bill release, as people didn't want to leave depressed after watching the film. A year later, Studio Ghibli went back to normal and released just the one film in 1989. This was Kiki's Delivery Service. Based on a novel of the same name, the film is the story of 
of a 13-year-old witch who moves out on her own to find her own identity. She settles in a seaside village and opens a delivery service. The rights to the film were acquired by Group Fidosha, one of Studio Ghibli's financial backers, in the hopes that Takahata or Miyazaki would ultimately make the film, but they were both busy on Totoro and Grave. Miyazaki joined the film as a producer and gave out the leadership roles to others, including screenwriter and director. When it came time to make the film, there was one big problem. The script sucked. Miyazaki found it too dry and too different from how he had imagined the film. The scriptwriter ultimately left the project and Miyazaki wrote the script himself. You'll notice throughout this episode that Miyazaki very much worships at the altar of if you want something done right, do it yourself. When he'd finished the script, he had become so invested in the project that he opted to direct the film himself. The original director was then demoted to assistant director. They weren't out of the woods yet, as the changes Miyazaki made from the source material angered the author. Miyazaki had changed the format in which Kiki's story had been told in the book, which is vastly more episodic, which isn't a great format for a film, more like a television show. They also made Kiki's hair significantly shorter than in the books, as it was infinitely easier to animate, especially the scenes when she's flying on a broom. When the author threatened to cancel the film, Miyazaki and Suzuki visited her at her home, asking her to visit the studio so she could see what they were working on. It was enough to keep the project alive. When released, the film provided Studio Ghibli with the hit it needed after the flops of the previous year. In fact, it was the highest grossing film in Japan for 1989. The production of Kiki also exposed a problem within the Studio Ghibli format. Typically, their animators were temporary workers hired only for one film and were paid by the animation cell that they created. Because of the high level of animation Kiki had required, the animators had made twice as many cells as was usual, but were only paid for about half of what they put out. Miyazaki and Suzuki knew that they had to do something before the studio became a victim of its own excellence. First, they began recruiting permanent animating staff for the studio, both veterans of the field and newbies that they could train. They were always planning for the future. Second, Suzuki, who was still working at Animage as well as Studio Ghibli, resigned from Animage to work full-time at Ghibli as a producer. His first film as a producer, only yesterday in 91, was directed by Takahata and was financially successful and allowed Miyazaki to go back to focus on creating and not balancing the books. The film he chose to make with his newfound freedom was Porco Rosso or Crimson Pig. The film is based on a watercolor manga and is the story of a former Italian World War I pilot who is somehow cursed and now looks like an anthropomorphic pig. They don't really mention why this happened and everyone acts like it's a totally normal no big deal thing. But despite that, the film was another hit for the studio and again the highest grossing film in Japan in 1992. That year, the studio opened its new headquarters in Tokyo.
Going with the times, Studio Ghibli released their first film to utilize computer graphics in 1994 with Palm Poco. Directed by Takahata, the film revolves around a group of Tanuki, a community of magical shape-shifting raccoon dogs who struggle to prevent their forest home from being destroyed by urban development. What's their biggest weapon? Their balls. Literally, their balls shapeshift. Just check out the link in the show notes. I'll never be able to describe it in a way to do it any justice. I'm not the biggest anime fan, but I wanted to expand my knowledge, which is why I chose to do an episode about Studio Ghibli. I have friends, however, that are infinitely more knowledgeable about this genre. And when I learned that this film existed, I promptly messaged them as I wanted to know why in all of the times they talked about this stuff, they never mentioned this. Why aren't these guys the Studio Ghibli mascots? While Takahata was making his Nutsack Raccoon movie, Miyazaki took a break from directing to focus all of his time and efforts on the script for Whisper of the Heart, which would be the first film out of Studio Ghibli not to be directed by Miyazaki or Takahata. Yoshi Fumi Kondo was the film's director, but unfortunately he passed away in 1998, making Whisper of the Heart his only film credit as a director. Whisper of the Heart was also the first Japanese film to use computers for composition. The film is based on a manga and tells the love story between a girl who loves reading books and a boy who has previously checked out all of the library books she chooses. Miyazaki made his return to directing with Princess Mononoke in 1997. Easily his most ambitious film, the film was an epic fantasy about a prince named Ashitaka whose arm gets infected by a demon and his involvement in a struggle between the gods of the forest and the humans who consume its resources. The basis for the film came from drawings Miyazaki had made in the late 1970s. Originally, the story was supposed to be based on Beauty and the Beast, with a princess marrying an animal that looks a lot like a tabby cat Totoro. Also, her dad is possessed by demons that she has to vanquish. Miyazaki started developing the film to be made in the mid-90s, but then realized the world he dreamt of the film in was no longer the one that would be seeing the film. Also, he'd realized that he'd already used many of the elements from this idea in Totoro. He had to start from scratch. This was no easy task, and his writer's block prompted him to accept a request for the creation of the On Your Mark promotional music video for the Chaig and Asuka song of the same title. According to Suzuki, the diversion allowed Miyazaki to return for a fresh start on the creation of Princess Mononoke. The film is the last major animation to use cells and was the most expensive anime ever made at the time. Upon its release in July 1997, the film blew up the Japanese box office and became the highest grossing film in Japan of all time, beating E.T., which had held that position since 1982. Princess Mononoke held that mantle for one whole year before Titanic snatched it away. In 1996, Studio Ghibli and Takuma Shoten, one of their financiers, made a deal with Disney, who would be made the sole international distributor for the Takuma Shoten financed Ghibli movies. Under this agreement, Disney also agreed to finance 10% of the studio's production costs for each film. On June 1st, 1997, Takuma Shoten Publishing consolidated its media operations by merging Studio Ghibli, Takuma Shoten, Intermedia Software and Takuma International under one location. 
With that new Disney deal, this meant that Princess Mononoke would be the first English dub handled by the distributor. Disney used their subsidiary Miramax Films to oversee that dub. This meant that Harvey Weinstein was overseeing the project. And Harvey had opinions. He demanded that the Studio Ghibli team make his desired edits to the film. They reportedly responded to this by sending Harvey a katana with the note, No Cuts. In a move of ultra-passive aggression, Miramax released the film two years later and in far fewer theaters than was originally planned. The movie flopped in the U.S. and Canada, which pissed Disney off at Miramax, not Studio Ghibli. When it came time to release the DVD, Miramax continued their pettiness and announced that they were only going to put the English dub out, which angered the fans who wanted to see the full Miyazaki version in Japanese. The DVD release was postponed, and the Japanese version was ultimately added. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. When in doubt, blame Harvey Weinstein. Princess Mononoke remains a cornerstone of the animated film to this day, with its gorgeous visuals and groundbreaking animation styles. It was also the first animated film to win Best Picture at the Japanese version of the Academy Awards. After the release of Princess Mononoke, Miyazaki, now in his mid-50s, announced that it would be his last film as director. In early 1998, he stepped down from his role at Studio Ghibli, but remained in a mentoring position. Miyazaki did this to make way for a new generation of animators and directors. That new generation began working on a series of animated shorts written by Miyazaki for the upcoming Studio Ghibli Museum, which would open in 2001, while the senior animators finished work on Takahata's most recent film, My Neighbors, the Yamadas, which would tank at the box office. Miyazaki spent the summer of 1999 in his mountain home with friends and family. Between he and his friends, they had five daughters, and the summer spent with them inspired Miyazaki to write another movie. Retirement would have to wait. Miyazaki didn't pitch one film to his studio. He pitched three, one of which was the film he wrote for the girls. That film was Spirited Away. Spirited Away is about a sullen young girl who moves with her family to the suburbs. She then wanders into a world ruled by gods, witches, and spirits, and where humans are changed into beasts. The film did incredibly well internationally and became the first international film to make $200 million without the U.S. box office and took the top-grossing film in Japan spot from Titanic. Shockingly, Weinstein was not given the dubbing job this time around. That job went instead to Pixar's John Lasseter, and he threw his Pixar attention to detail at the project. The film became the second to win the Best Animation Film Award at the Oscars and is viewed as Miyazaki's masterpiece. Miyazaki, a lifelong pacifist, did not attend the Oscars in protest of the U.S. recently going to war. 
The next major release at a Studio Ghibli was Howl's Moving Castle in 2004, which was also directed by Miyazaki, who still wasn't retiring. Based on a novel of the same name, the film is set in a fictional kingdom where both magic and early 20th century technology are prevalent against the backdrop of a war with another kingdom. The film tells the story of a young, content milliner named Sophie, who is turned into an old woman by a witch who enters her shop and curses her. She encounters a wizard named Howell and gets caught up in his resistance to fighting for the king. The film was influenced by Miyazaki's anti-war views on the U.S.'s recent invasion of Iraq in 2003, and as a result features extreme anti-war themes. Miyazaki stated that he, quote, had a great deal of rage about the Iraq war, which led him to make a film which he felt would be poorly received in the U.S., Turns out Miyazaki had nothing to worry about, and the film was once again an international hit, including in the U.S., though some critics would note that this is not Miyazaki's strongest film. Now it was time for the New Blood to attempt to carry on the Ghibli name. This task was given to Goro Miyazaki, and the film was Tales from Earthsea. Based on Ursula K. Le Guin's Earthsea novels, the film is an amalgamation of plot elements from the first four books and was named after a collection of short stories. Le Guin had denied all previous attempts to have her books adapted into films, including a previous attempt in the 80s by the elder Miyazaki. After seeing Spirited Away, however, she changed her tune and wanted Miyazaki to direct the film. However, he was busy making Howl's Moving Castle, and Suzuki, now head of Studio Ghibli, assigned Miyazaki's son Goro to direct the film. The elder Miyazaki disagreed with this move, believing that his son was not ready to direct. Goro had gone to school for landscaping, not animating, and had only just decided to follow in his father's footsteps not even half a decade ago after working on the landscaping designs for the Ghibli Museum. The father and son reportedly did not speak to each other while the film was in production. Ursula Le Guin was not too thrilled by Goro directing the film either. While it looks like a Ghibli film, and it sounds like a Ghibli film, and it was directed by a Miyazaki, who is honestly quite talented, Tales from Earthsea was the first Ghibli film to get a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes, the only one until very recently. The plot was, quote, entirely different, according to Ursula K. Le Guin, who told Goro Miyazaki, quote, it's not my book, it is your movie, and it is a good movie. Although she later expressed her disappointment with the end result. The film won two Japanese Razzies, awards for bad films, worst picture, and worst director. Hayao Miyazaki, enjoying not being retired, I guess, followed up Howls with Ponyo, a film about a goldfish who escapes from the ocean and is rescued by a five-year-old human boy after she is washed ashore while trapped in a glass jar. Inspired by the fairy tale The Little Mermaid, the film went against the trends of the time and was fully hand-drawn. The film was, would you believe, another hit for Ghibli both financially and commercially. It became the fifth highest-grossing anime of all time. 
in a move of integrated synergy. For the English dub of the film, Disney chose the youngest siblings of two of its biggest stars at the time. For Ponyo, that was Noah Cyrus, younger sister of Miley Cyrus, and for the boy, Suzuki, they chose Frank Jonas, the youngest brother of the Jonas Brothers. Promoting this film was the first time Miyazaki visited the U.S. as he had been protesting the U.S. war in Iraq. A new director was given the job of directing the next Ghibli film, Arietti, which was based on the book The Borrowers, a film Miyazaki had wanted to make for 40 years. Directing went to longtime animator Hiromasa Yonabayashi, whom at 36 became the youngest director to helm a Ghibli film. Nervous, Yonabayashi reportedly ran to Miyazaki constantly for help, which he was more than happy to provide. His efforts paid off, and the film became the fourth biggest anime of all time in the U.S., and the highest not based on a video game. The younger Miyazaki got his chance at redemption with From Up on Poppy Hill. Set in 1963, Yokohama, Japan, the film tells the story of Umi, a high school girl living in a boarding house. Umi meets Shun, a member of her school's newspaper club, and they decide to clean up the school's clubhouse and begin to fall in love. However, the chairman of the local high school and a businessman intend to demolish the building for redevelopment. Umi and Shun must persuade him to reconsider. Also, Umi and Shun may or may not be siblings. During production in the east of Japan, the Tohoku earthquake and tsunami struck, affecting the film's production as there were a slew of rolling blackouts due to the meltdown of the Fukushima nuclear plant. The animators began working at night to minimize disruptions. When pressed about the progress, the studio revealed that it was about 50% completed, though it was added that the animation would have been otherwise over 70% completed had the disaster not happened. Miyazaki assured the public that the film would still be released on time as it was their responsibility to do so. Goro Miyazaki stated that while most of the staff was not affected by the disaster, there were several, quote, who did go through a period of mental affectedness because of what happened, and that took some time to recover from. While critically better received than his previous film, though that was a low bar to hit, to be fair, Poppy Hill was not the financial hit that the studio had become accustomed to. Competition from films like The Last Harry Potter did not help matters. Then it was his father's turn to direct again with The Wind Rises. Nearly 20 years after he initially said he was going to retire, Miyazaki made this film loosely based on the life of fight aircraft engineer Jiro Horikoshi, a man who created planes as things of beauty, not machines of war. In Japan, The Wind Rises received criticism from both the political right and from the Japan Society for Tobacco Control. Miyazaki added to the controversy by publishing an essay in which he criticized the proposal by Japan's right-wing liberal Democratic Party to change Article 9 of the Japanese Constitution to allow Japan to remilitarize. In an interview, Miyazaki said he had, quote, very complex feelings about World War II since, as a pacifist, he felt militarist Japan had acted out of, quote, foolish arrogance. The Wind Rises was the highest grossing film in Japan despite the controversy for 2013 and got several major award nominations, including an Academy Award nomination for Best Animation. After this film, Miyazaki once again announced his retirement. 
Speaking of retirement, for the first time since 1999, Takahata returned to the director's chair to make the tale of Princess Kaguya, which is based on a Japanese literary tale that Takahata had enjoyed as a child. Takahata didn't retire per se. He was just so difficult and meticulous to work with and always looking for new ways to animate that it had taken him this long to prepare another film. He made the film with independent animators instead of the Ghibli staff and moved them completely off-site. Princess Kaguya looks very different than prior Ghibli films. The film is much more minimalistic, but don't get me wrong, it's still beautiful. Takahana wanted the film to look like storyboards coming to life, which meant no clean lines. The backgrounds were painted in watercolor, which is far less accommodating than animation cells. It would also take up to six hours to choose a color for one scene. The film was originally supposed to open on the same day as The Wind Rises, but was delayed three months because it was really hard to make. It didn't help that it was the third longest animated film of all time. Princess Kaguya was met with universal acclaim, but failed financially, making only about half of the money it took to make it back. Takahata then announced his retirement. Suzuki followed in 2014, though he did not fully retire, but instead became a general manager. Hiromasa Yonabayashi made one last film for Studio Ghibli when Marnie was here, which was a modest success for the studio, after which time it was announced that Studio Ghibli would be taking a break as the profits were weighed down. This led to people naturally panicking and freaking out, fearing the studio would never make another film. Studio Ghibli would not release another feature film for six years. For the fourth time, Miyazaki came out of retirement to direct another film, which is slated for release in 2023. What can I say? Dude loves his job. Takahata died at a hospital in Tokyo on April 5th, 2018, at the age of 82 after a battle with lung cancer. On May 15th, a farewell ceremony for the filmmaker was held at the Ghibli Museum in Tokyo. Miyazaki publicly spoke for the first time about Takahata's death, saying, quote, I was convinced that Pakusan, Takahata's nickname, would live to be 95 years old, but he unfortunately passed away. It makes me think my time is also limited. Thank you, Pakusan. In May 2020, Suzuki confirmed that Goro Miyazaki was working on a new film, which was later confirmed to be Earwig and the Witch. The film would be the first 3D CG film put out by the studio and premiered on television, because COVID, in late 2020. It was met with scathing reviews, even worse than the ones for Goro's directorial debut. With another Hayao Miyazaki film on the horizon, How Do You Live?, it's likely that the studio will go back to its roots sooner rather than later. 
Despite its most recent misfire, Studio Ghibli revolutionized the art of animation. For nearly 40 years, in fact, Studio Ghibli has been one of the greatest animation studios in modern film, showing us new worlds that before we could only dream of. Hopefully, the company that Miyazaki, Takahata, and Suzuki built will continue to put out films for generations to come. And that's going to do it for this week. If there's anything you'd like me to cover in the future, please reach out on social media where I also post photos for each episode. At Tinsel Factory Pod on Instagram, at Tinsel underscore Factory on Twitter, on Facebook at The Tinsel Factory. And if you have any questions, you can always email me at tinselfactorypod at gmail.com. If you want to check out any of the films I talked about today, most, if not all, are on HBO Max. I'm relying on word of mouth to get this podcast out there. So if you could please rate, review, and subscribe so that other people can find this podcast, that would be a huge help. In order to keep making this podcast, I've also set up a support page, the link of which you can find in the show notes. If you'd like to help me out in any way, I would very much appreciate it. I've also got merch. Check it out, the link in the show notes. Next week, the history of Pixar animation. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, that's a wrap.